Welcome to the Lux Pharmacist Podcast. I'm Dr. Madeline Aquilano, full-time clinical pharmacist and part-time blogger, micro-influencer, or whatever term you'd like to call it. I started the Lux Pharmacist during pharmacy school in hopes of inspiring others and advancing our field's presence online and in the media. Here you will find experiences and advice for pharmacy school, residency, career options, the day-to-day life of a clinical pharmacist, and of course, how to keep your own personal style alive throughout it all because we all have a little room for Lux in our lives. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Lux Pharmacist Podcast. I am re-releasing some of my old podcast episodes on my new channel for your convenience. These episodes were ones that were recorded, my gosh, either in 2019 or 2020, depending on which episode it is, Um, but all are still very relevant, I believe, and I hope helpful to you all. For the most part, these old episodes will be from my residency series, And yes, I plan to continue to add to the series going forward, which I am super excited about. Um, So with the reproducing of these old episodes, the whole series gets to kind of live together on my new channel, which hopefully will just make it so much easier for you all to listen to and I think just makes the most sense going forward. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy Residency Series, episode number one, Residency 101. Hi there. Happy October. I absolutely love this time of year. Fall is one of my favorite seasons and October is always such an exciting month in pharmacy. So grab yourself a pumpkin spice latte and get cozy because today's episode is on my most requested topic ever, residency. Today I am so excited to announce the launch of my residency series on the Lux Pharmacist podcast. Residency is the number one topic that I consistently get asked about, and it's such a huge topic that not only does it deserve its own series, but I also thought, what better way to discuss pharmacy residencies than through a podcast, where I literally get to talk to you all as if we are one-on-one like besties. Because we are, right? I mean, I like to think so. We're all in this family together, and I really wanted to do this subject justice for you guys and give it the detail and depth that it really required. And when I actually polled all of you for questions, because this podcast was secretly in the works in the background, um, I realized that a lot of people didn't know exactly what a residency was, you know, what it entailed and why someone may choose to complete a residency over going for other jobs. So for the first episode of my residency series, we are going to be starting from the very beginning, covering all the bases when it comes to a PGY1 pharmacy residency. This is essentially residency 101. And since we're starting from the very beginning, it seems only fitting to answer this very basic question, what exactly is a pharmacy residency? Essentially, in the fewest words possible, it's an extra year of clinical training. So pharmacy residents have their degree. We are full-fledged pharmacists. We're just in a job that is specifically designed to continue that educational process. And the majority of people who apply for residencies are applying during their last year of school. Um, But there are those that have a job as a pharmacist somewhere and then decide to do a residency later on. But due to the way that residencies are set up, the application process does only happen once a year, um, so you can't just like decide to do a residency whenever you want to. And the way that pharmacy residencies are set up are very similar to a medical residency. I think that's always like a helpful comparison, um, except where as a medical residency is required for all graduates to go into, a pharmacy residency is not. 
You can graduate with your PharmD and simply start working if you chose to. Like I said before, some pharmacists will start in retail, for example, and then in a few years decide to do a residency. So what's the whole point, right? If you can just start working and making the big bucks right away, why not do that instead? And why choose to leave a high-paying job and take a pay cut to essentially less than half of your salary, And that actually brings up a question that I was asked when I polled all of you for residency questions. Um, I was asked if there was any kind of a pay difference between like going into retail and doing a residency. So yes, there is just to put that question to rest. Um, it, It really is less than half. I don't know the exact average for a residency, but let's call it like 45,000 a year um, and going into retail just based on, you know, what I know some of my friends are making, that average is definitely probably a little over 100,000. So yes, there is a real pay difference. Let's just put that one to bed and move on. So with this huge pay difference and, you know, the extra workload that comes on top of that, why are so many of us choosing to do a residency? And the simple answer may be, you know, well, good luck getting a clinical pharmacist position without a residency. And I do know that that was, you know, at least the case where I was practicing in the Northeast um, throughout my appy year, my last year of school, I was kind of at points battling with, you know, well, do I really want to make that much, you know, less money and I have all these loans and just kind of battling with like what are my true options after school Um, and with talking with a lot of my preceptors and just pharmacists out there in general, it was very apparent that, you know, I wasn't going to be in that clinical pharmacist position that I really wanted to be, um, at least for many, many years without doing a residency. And honestly, at times that was a little frustrating to me because I felt like, I was a great student and I knew so much and I felt like I was very capable of going into that role. Um, But now that I'm in a residency and I see how much I truly do not know and how um, beneficial this year is for me, I think it just brings up such a good point that a residency is so much more than, you know, just having to do one and just like this system where, oh, like we want to pay you less and we want you to go into residency. No, it is so much more than that. And I really do think that it is necessary. And this topic was also actually addressed in the ASHP's 2019 pharmacy forecast. They talked about how most of the pharmacists that they polled nationwide um, did not believe that graduates would be prepared for the frontline health system pharmacy practice, which essentially is clinical pharmacy. So I do believe that this thought is a nationwide consensus and, you know, it's not just, oh, the Northeast is a little more saturated, so everyone has to do a residency. It really is... Um, necessary just to become a competent clinical pharmacist. I mean, practice, real life patient practice is so much different than it is in school. Um, And you really truly will not be prepared to handle all of that without doing a PGY1 residency. So to summarize my whole point here on why someone would choose to do a residency over another job, if you are a pharmacist or a pharmacy student out there and you are interested in clinical pharmacy specifically, then you would choose to pursue a PGY-1 residency to receive that extra training that's needed for the field, you know, not just because someone tells you that you have to or thinking, you know, it's just the way the job market is. Um, we really do it because it be it makes us a well-rounded pharmacist and it really prepares us to be um, on the front lines of real-life complex patient care and to really fulfill that role. So 
so that's that. We've answered the first basic question, you know, what is a pharmacy residency? Why would you do one? The other thing I really want to talk about is just how the residency year is set up in general um, and what kind of activities we're involved in. All PGY1 residencies in general are pretty similar because they're all following certain standards that are set forth by ASHP. And in general, there's three main components to a residency. So you have um, your rotations, obviously, you have staffing, and you also have a year-long residency project. All residencies that you come across will include all three of those things. And since they're set up so similarly across programs, I'm just going to be kind of describing how my program is set up. And then if there's any huge differences that I've seen um, just from my own experience looking at different programs, I will mention that as well. Before I get into those three components that I did just mention, I do want to say um, just kind of the difference between PGY1 residency and you may also hear of a PGY2 residency. Um, so you do obviously have to do a PGY1, which is post-grad year one, before you could pursue a PGY2. Um, but in general, PGY1s are mainly this inpatient uh, pharmacy residency that are really focusing on a bunch of different inpatient specialties. But you do have some residencies. We actually have one at my hospital that are community PGY1 pharmacy residencies. So those are more outpatient focused. Um, a lot of the times they would lead you into maybe a PGY2 in ambulatory care. Um, but in general, they are in the outpatient pharmacy and just focused on more outpatient activities in general. Um, I have heard of, though, some programs that are still PGY1s, but that maybe are more focused in ambulatory care. Um, so again, focusing on some more outpatient things. But in general, um, the biggest, I guess, option that you'll see for a PGY1 residency is that inpatient focus where you rotate through a bunch of different specialties. In general, no matter what type of residency we're talking about, they're all going to start off with an orientation period, just like how any other um, new job would start off with. I mean, you can't just walk into a place and know exactly how everything works and be functioning. Um, so for us, our block of orientation was six weeks. I know some programs um, that are only four weeks, so it's just going to differ. But during that time period, we were getting used to the hospital policies, um, what our staffing would look like, you know, what the electronic health system is like. So how I verify the medications, how I look through their profiles, where I can find labs, just kind of getting used to everything. And right after our orientation period ended, we moved right into our clinical rotations. Again, which clinical rotations you have offered um, are going to differ program to program and just will differ, you know, based on what that hospital has to offer for patients in general. And then how the rotations are set up are also going to differ. Um, so some programs may have longitudinal rotations, which means you're kind of doing them throughout the year. Others of them are going to have maybe only block rotations, which means you do one, you do the next one, you do the next one, and nothing is kind of all year long. Um, but my program in general is a combination of block rotations and longitudinal rotations. To give you some examples of what is offered at my program for block rotations, we have antimicrobial stewardship, we have cardiology, emergency medicine, general medicine one and general medicine two, critical care one and critical care two, and psychology. Those are all block rotations. 
And then for longitudinal rotations, um, I have talked about this in an Instagram post. We have the Hope Dispensary, which isn't all year long. That's only 12 weeks. Um, but the year-long longitudinals that I do have include a leadership rotation and a drug information rotation. And then obviously my research project is kind of considered um, a longitudinal rotation as well. And then another thing that most programs are going to offer in terms of rotations are electives. So for us, we have four that we can choose from. We could go into the outpatient pharmacy. We could do oncology. We could do a cardiology two rotation or an emergency medicine two rotation. Um, We haven't had to pick those yet, but I am leaning towards, I think, cardiology two and emergency medicine two. What your day-to-day looks like um, is obviously going to depend on the type of rotation you're on, but in general, um, they will all involve some kind of topic discussions, some kind of journal club, you know, patient case presentations, working at patients daily. Again, the whole point of a residency really is for all the extra clinical training, so they really are focused on um, this, like, continuous growth and learning. So you are going to have a lot of extra projects that you take on, um, which is really where that like extra workload comes into play versus just being a clinical pharmacist or having a normal day job in general. Most of the time in residency, you are going to have a lot of extra work that you have to do at home. And, you know, it's not just that extra work that was assigned for that one specific rotation, especially when you have rotations that are kind of ongoing. So I could always get drug info projects or I could always get leadership projects because those rotations are year long. So even if I'm on, um, you know, emergency medicine and my preceptor is giving me something for that, I could also have a drug info project or a longitudinal project um, that could be due around the same time. So in general, uh, residencies really all just about time management one, but also juggling, you know, all the different responsibilities that you're being given. For example, a couple weeks ago when I was saying I had those four um, presentations coming up, two of them were for my cardiology rotation, but two of them were also for my drug info rotation. So my journal club and my anticoagulation, um, kind of like patient counseling, those were both from cardiology. But then my pain management presentation and my PNT presentation were both assigned to me from my drug info rotation. That was a year-long rotation. So you are always going to kind of get a mix of things going on at once, and that's just kind of how it is. And one of the biggest assignments that you actually take on as a resident is one of those three components that I mentioned earlier. So your year-long research project is a huge obstacle to take on. Um, It does require a ton of work. And especially for me at my hospital, it is a very... um, independent resident driven process so they want us to really drive you know the protocol being written and you know what data parameters we want to collect and actually for us it was something that they allowed us to kind of choose the topic ourselves which I thought was really nice Um, a lot of programs have like a very specific list of certain projects that they want to do and then they kind of will make you like rank which project you want to do, especially larger programs. Um, But for us, we did have the option of choosing what we wanted to do. So I thought that that was um, a really great thing as well, because I mean, if you're going to spend so much time and effort on one thing, I mean, I would hope that it's at least a subject that you're very interested in. Uh, So I thought that that was definitely um, a huge strength of my program in that sense. 
And again, since this is one of the main components of a residency, every single program that you run into is going to have some mandatory year-long research project. Um, And then the third component, which I have not talked about yet, is the staffing component. This tends to differ program to program and really um, will kind of be based on the needs of the hospital in terms of staffing. But for me and my hospital, I do staff every other weekend. Um, So if it seems like I am always there, I kind of am. But um, because we do staff every other weekend, I do actually get one day off during the week, which is a really nice break just to kind of get on track with everything. Um, In general, I do see, I think, the most every third weekend being kind of the most common staffing requirement. But I have also heard of programs that do staff every other weekend without having a day off the next week. So it really just is going to differ um, program to program. And my boyfriend is a resident as well, and I know that at his hospital, um, they do have a lot of staff on the weekend, so he isn't needed necessarily as often on the weekend, so he actually ends up staffing about once a month, but every single week, he does have to do a double, literally from 7 a.m. to 11.30 p.m., so I do not envy that at all, and I am totally okay with how my program is set up, um, but it really just is going to differ place to place. And that really covers it in terms of the three basic components that you will see in every single residency. Every single residency, again, will have rotations, will have a year-long research project, and it will have some kind of staffing component. And that really does it, guys, for Residency 101. I think we've covered all of the basics. But do not worry, I have a whole residency series planned like I talked about. It's going to include many different episodes. All of them are going to be on a specific topic, um, and I promise they will be coming out exactly when you need them to. Um, I looked at you know my whole application process last year, and when I was kind of doing things or going through certain things, and I had certain questions, so everything is planned out. I promise it is going to be um, amazing, and I hope it will be so helpful for you guys. The next episode that you can look forward to is going to be the 411 on applications. And I do promise that this will be coming out before the forecast site opens online. So don't stress, I got you guys covered on all aspects of the pharmacy residency application process, okay? For now, I think my biggest advice would be one, figure out if you truly do want to pursue a residency, and then two, start thinking about um, what type of residency you want to pursue. Like I said before, um, the classic like inpatient residency is the most common, but there are the community residencies or there are ones um, more focused in AM care or maybe managed care. So I think about that. And on the next episode, I'm going to be talking more about how to narrow down the programs that you're applying to. Obviously, this is going to differ um, if you're someone who wants to stay local versus you're kind of open to the whole country. But in general, it really comes down to um, what is most important to you, whether it be in terms of how it's set up or what experiences it's specifically offering you. And a huge thank you to you as well. If you are someone who is listening to this podcast, I know you're taking time out of your day to tune in to me. And I honestly could not do what I do without all of your continued support. So I appreciate you all so much. And I truly hope that this podcast serves as an invaluable resource for all of you. Thank you for listening to the Lux Pharmacist podcast. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the Lux Pharmacist and at the Lux Pharmacist podcast. You can also head over to my blog, theluxpharmacist.com, for even more content. 
If you loved today's episode, be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Until next time, keep living Lux.